Banter with the Irish, your weekly podcast for the banter, music and crack with guests from all over Ireland and of course, not forgetting myself, your presenter, Margaret McHugh. Check it out on Anchor FM slash Banter with the Irish. I am joined on the line by PJ Murray from Mulla in County Clare. Of course, PJ is a well-known singer and songwriter. PJ, welcome along to my podcast, Banter with the Irish. Well, thank you very much indeed, Margaret. It is a dull enough day here now in, in Mullock, as you mentioned, Mullock. And um, sure, look, we're, we're avoiding the, the old disease and the plague and all that, and we're grand. A bit of land, Margaret, it keeps me going. And that's what I'm doing, tipping around and writing an odd song here and there. PJ, it's great to have somebody of your skill to talk to about songwriting and music in Ireland. How long have you been at music now? Oh, I'm at music since the 70s, since I started with the Kilfenora Cayley Band. And then I never, never kind of stopped since I was with different people and I wound up with Seamus Shannon. And I still play well. I still play with Seamus. All going well. If we get back again, I hope to do a few more gigs with Seamus. But over the years, I've been, you know, playing away and doing a bit of work on the land as well when I'm off. And that's more or less it to know, but it has been good to me and more than good to me now because thankfully I was never up to now anyway, Margaret. I was never sick or anything, you know, and um, I got a good run of it and it's still going well for me and so is the songwriting, you know. I've been lucky with the songwriting, you know, that people, there's a host of them at this moment, which is great, like Daniel Margo and Larry Cunningham, Big Tom, Michael English, Brendan Shine, all these people, Cathy Durkin, and there's a whole lot of them, you know, have done my songs, and Dick and Nerny and Big Flavin, and, you know, which keeps me going. Just talk to me, PJ, about growing up. Talk about the boy, PJ, not the singer and the songwriter. What was life like growing up in well, County Clare? Well, great for me. There were, we were reared in, in, the, in the land. I'm about two and a half miles from the ocean, from the Atlantic, um, a mile west of the village of Mullock, in a, in a handy farm land that reared seven of us, believe it or not. And my parents were great workers, you know, like all the people around us and, and a lot, like all the mothers and fathers all over the land, you know. But, um, yeah, I, I went to, to I went to mother school and I went to the Christian Brothers in, in, in Estimon and I also went to the vocational school for a while. But then I stayed on the land and I was in a good tourist area for music and I learned the guitar and um, I got a job with the Kilfenora singing a few waltzes and quick steps and things but I also played an offer of football in between all that time you know we had a great team here in the parish and juveniles and minors and I used, I played minor and under 21 football for Clare as well you know and I'm playing for my own parish and I did a bit of hurling and look at apart from music we had a great old crack because we were in a thickly populated area and there were lots of um, young lads around the area. You know, and we'd meet in the evenings and we'd be hunting and playing football and singing songs. And I actually started singing songs in the village in a, an overturned van that was in front of the forge because I had a guitar that I bought for £2 and a few of the lads joined me. And there was a lovely <laughs> echo inside me and we thought we were sounding great. And it used to be great fun, but um, yeah, I had a lovely childhood as well, you know, and I have one brother, John, and I have five sisters, and um, that's, you know, that was more or less the gist of it, and um, 
then I, as I said, went with the Kilfenori because I used to learn a lot of songs in my spare time. You know, like in the winters, even to be to be dark at maybe half four or five o'clock, and then you had all the sponsored programs on the radio, Larry Gogan playing Margot and Big Tom, and and I used to learn all the songs. And um, it stuck to me then when when I got tickets from the Kelly Band. You know, I had plenty of songs to sing, and it kind of more or less. We'll say, went from there, but I'm still in the home place and still doing a bit of farming, which I was doing today, you know. When you called there, I was just feeding a few cattle in a, in a sed, you know. And that's, that's about the size of it so far, Margaret. So far, so good. PJ, just in relation to your parents, who were they and how would you describe their characters? Well, my parents, you know, came from farming backgrounds as well very religious people like everybody else in the area and I got a great upbringing because um, you know they, they were very very good people and good to work and all that and um, there wasn't a night we used to say the rosary when we were young and all that you know they were typical parents of that time and give us a good a good start in life that's the way I describe them do you know what were their names PJ oh my mother was was Jane Thry from outside Kilkee in a place called Dunaha and my father was Jimmy Murray from he actually was living near the great Junior Crean at the other side of the village but he came back to his aunt when he was eight years of age and got married here to my mother and that's I'm still here as I said the rest is history yeah. as I say it must have been interesting growing up with five sisters you must have felt outnumbered you and your brother well <laughs> you know I suppose we had to fight for 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 everything that was going, but that was no bother to us at all. You know, we were typical young lads, like, and, um, we, you know, we always, I don't ever remember not having enough to eat. That's one thing I always remember. We always had, because we, my mother and my father used to kill a few pigs every year, and we had a great garden of potatoes and cabbage and turnip and lettuce and all the things that were necessary. People didn't have much money, but they were kind of self-sufficient, you know? And uh, that's the way it was for a long, long time. And I have great, as I said, I have great memories of it. Talk to me about national school, PJ. You mentioned the national school. Did you enjoy schooling? No, I didn't like, I didn't really like school. I liked um, history and geography, all right. We, I went to Mrs. O'Connor, she was the first teacher, and then to Mrs. Saunders in the second, in the second and third, and then fourth, fifth and sixth was Master Higgins. And he, they were all very nice people, I have to say. We got an odd old belt across the knuckles, you know. Anything I got, I always deserved it, Margaret, you know, because um, I was a bit devil may care and all that. And um, sort of look what I wouldn't have my exercise done on some mornings. And, and I remember we used to come over the hill to the school and we'd be hoping that the master's car wouldn't be there, you know, but it was always there. Mm-hmm. And I even remember the number of it. It was a ZM820. It was a Galway number. He was living in La Hinch, and he drove the 14 miles every day from La Hinch, and also his own family, he, they were educated as well in the school. You know, he brought them down to school every morning. And I remember as well, looking at the, at the board, there was 112 children going to the school, which was in the late 60s and early 70s was a lot, an awful lot of people. I don't actually know what it is at the minute, but, you know, they have all the facilities now and they're built extensions to the schools and it's 
they have these teachers, uh, you know, for every subject or whatever, and it's, it's actually great now, and they're getting a great chance. We came up, if you like, I suppose, the hard way, you know. Mm. And I, I know people who, I knew a fellow who, from the other side of the village, who cried every day going to school. He hated it, you know. Oh. And then some lads left school at 14, and they went to England at 15 and 16. And they, some of them did very, very well and, you know, became millionaires and did very, very well indeed. So, like, you know, it, it didn't necessarily mean that if we weren't good at things at school that we didn't be, maybe weren't good at carpentry or collecting songs like I was or whatever it was. You know, everybody finds their own way through life. I suppose we got a good enough staff to have to say. It's interesting that you remember the master's car reg. That's really interesting that that sticks oh, out in your mind. I do indeed. And I remember the numbers of all the, 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 you know, the parish priest. And I remember the number of the other. You see, there were only a few cars at the time. Most of, I remember other teachers cycling who were teaching in, in the adjacent schools, you know, in Quilty and down in a place called Clinadrum. They used to pass us every morning, but they cycled. But then they've been all, all eventually got cars, as did the curates. And, you know, I don't ever remember the curates on bicycles now. I remember them well, all having cars. There were two curates and a parish priest. And now we've only one parish priest for two parishes. Father John Omar is a parish priest at the minute. He's from Clare Castle. He's a great man and he covers a lot of ground and all that, you know. But we've seen an awful lot of changes because I remember the tail end of the horse and the float and um, all that, you know. But strangely enough, like, luckily enough, I have a son myself that he works with the council, but he likes the landing. He keeps it going. He helps me and I help him and so on. But, um, you know, he, he likes the land, which is great, and it keeps the keeps it ticking over. And see, strange about the land, my father was 91 when he passed away. And you need never retire when you're a farmer, because you can always walk out and look at the cattle and see if there's a cow going to calf or if there's a heifer lame or whatever it might be, as distinct from being working in a factory and getting a bundle of notes or, or whatever it is and having, you know, to stop at home. So that's one good thing about farming, I suppose. And the other thing, and I've often mentioned this, that, like, some people went away, as I mentioned earlier on, and did very, very well. But one of the, the assets, I suppose, or the good things about staying at home is that you can be with your parents in their final years, which is a huge bonus and a lovely thing to look back on, you know, mm. uh, maybe rather than being in Australia. And I know several people who maybe thought to come home for Easter or for the, the summer and put it back to Christmas and maybe one of their parents passed away in the meantime. That's not easy, you know. I know. While, while the people who went away maybe got a better chance than some of the people at home. But, you know, the other thing about staying at home, I mentioned the football and the hurling and the hunting and the playing cards, like you're with your own neighbours and friends all your life as well, mm-hmm. which is another advantage of being at home, you know. And look, I don't know anybody who died with the hunger. Margaret, they all got on at the end of the day, you know. It's interesting that your father lived so long and it was a great age. And it's interesting that you talk about, you know, those who left home maybe missed out on the final moments of their parents passing. And I hear a lot of those stories where... Well, indeed. You, you know, know, that's what most of the songs are about, isn't it? where people left and I know down in Roscommon I've heard an awful lot of stories where people left 
daughters and sons they went to England and America and unfortunately they never got to come back and they never got to even come back many for their parents funeral or passing and I think that has to be an awful thing to live with and an awful tragic side effect of immigration back then especially of course and you know well going back long before our time we'll take after the famine and all that that's where the American waves came in because they never ever again now there was a chance people left in my time there most of them did come back and if they didn't some of them it was actually their own fault you know when the planes started coming from New York and London it was you know easy enough to come back but some of them didn't but before that it was heartbreaking to think you know that maybe I know a house where three sons left and I often spoke to the mother about it and the father three of them left in the one day they were back near the sea you know now luckily enough they got to come home. But there were other, the American wakes, you know, when, when they, everybody gathered and there were maybe 17 and 19 and 20 or two or three of them left together and the mothers and fathers never again saw them. It was unbelievable stuff, you know? It's heartbreaking yeah. to hear those stories. Just yeah. let's talk now about, you know, leaving primary school and trying to find your way in life. You obviously were interested in music early on. So did you think music was going to become a full-time career for you, that you'd make a living out of it, so to speak? No, I didn't. No, no. No, I thought I'd be just like my father, living out of the land, you know. And it would, eventually it would be scraping a living because, you know, we didn't have a lot of land. But we had enough to, to rear the seven of us. And things kind of changed, you know. Like when I went with the Kilfenora then, and I gathered up enough money to buy a little tractor. I remember £300 I gave for it in 1970. It was, I think, or 70, yeah, 72 or 3, about a tractor my father sold with a lovely grey mare, and um, she had 11 foals, I remember. And, um, she, you know, she was, a, she was a great working horse as well. But I remember the day he walked off with her and sold her, you know. Mm-hmm. So we had the, um, the tractor then, and, you know, I need a few pounds I used to make with the band, which wasn't a lot at the time, in fairness. But it was all a bonus. You know, and then I was in a, I was in the, with the band for two for six years, and I made two albums with them. And then two lads in the band, Jimmy Ward and Michael Sixton, we left the band because we were in a tourist area there in the mid and late seventies, and there was a lot of work around La Hinch and Milltown, Melbourne, Spanish Point and Quilkey, and the whole area Kilkee and you know up along the coast and Ennis and so on. And people started going to the bars and dancing, and we spent. Along, you know, up to about 1993, we were doing that. And it was great because I was around during the day as well. But then I joined up with Seamus Shannon, who was an unbelievable accordion player. Now, Seamus used to play a trombone with Joe Dolan uh, in the 70s as well. But he also played with Brendan Shine and he even played for a while with the Dubliners. And he played with lots of people and did a lot of session work. So we joined up in 1993 and I also played for a while with a great musician called Pat Mack, Pat McNamara from Tulla. But I I stayed permanently with Seamus then from about 95 or 6 and we had a great run of it everywhere, you know. But in the meantime I came across a song called Pat Murphy's Meadow and it's uh, Harmack Records in Dublin who had Joe Dolan and the Dubliners and Phil Coulter and all these people, they took me on and the, the song got into the Irish charts and it opened every door for me, 
you know, because I had other songs as well that came to light then. And then the local stations came into being around 1990. And that gave me a huge lift as well. And we spent several great years together playing all over the place. And as well as that, going to America and doing cruise ships and going with enjoyed travel to Portugal and Spain. And we wound up eventually going with Cherish the Ladies on cruise ships in recent times. And, you know, it's been more than good to me, Margaret. And I had a lot of songs, that you know, like My Father's House and Horses and Plough and Lovely Old Mill Town. And you know, I had a song about Mother Teresa as well. And I had a song put more turf on the fire, Marianne, and Eileen Elena. And in latter years, then I had Life in the Old Dog and, you know, put, what you call it, um, the one about the peace, Soldier On. Drawn Little Men in the Ashes, and all, all those songs. And I got a lot of airplay, you know, through those years with all those songs because I kept writing them and keeping them turned out, so to speak. And, you know, I know that the um, crash has come or the, the virus has come, but I don't have many regrets, Margaret, because we had a great, my family are reared and I had a great run of it. And look, if it comes back, I'll be back. Mm. And it will be back, but we don't know when. But I'm writing a few songs for Foster and Allen, as I said, and for Patrick Feeney and T.R. Dallas and Patrick O'Sullivan. And I write for everybody, you know, and it's great. It keeps me going, Margaret. That's brilliant, PJ. You're very talented and gifted. And you mentioned off some of the songs that I would be familiar with. Now, a lot of people obviously aren't into country music or traditional or soul music, but... I remember growing up, I heard those songs a lot on the radio. And right. as I've got older, they mean more because I think they resonate with you a lot more as you get older because you understand the value of the words and of the songs. Well, of course, that's very true. But I'd be writing as well, you see, from experience, which is a great thing. Sure, was it Waylon Jennings said, if you haven't lived it, you can't sing it, he said. Wasn't it a good line? Mm, very true, very true. Yeah. But all these songs, and I, but there was a host of other songs that I had as well that were great, you know. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about it is um, they're still very, very popular, I'm glad to say. And because there's another generation of people, like, for instance, the songs I recorded in 1993 and four and five, they're kind of still there, you know, and I recorded them. I spent a lot of, because, of, because I had a record company to my back, I was able to, do them right, you know, and spend a good bit of money with them. And um, they're still, they still sound very well, I'm glad to say, the most of them anyway. They do, PJ. I was actually saying to you, I was speaking to a Clare girl in America last week for my podcast, and she asked for the song A Lovely Old Middle Town. All oh, right, right. When I listen to that, you know, I actually am not from Clare, but the words and her story resonated with me and it did bring a tear to my eye because I thought well her heart's in Clare but she's living in America and that's her go-to song. Well I suppose that's one thing about songs you know you find that um, you're, you're a link you know for a lot of people to home you know and like you said earlier on you don't realise it when you're younger but as you get older like they have more meaning and even, you know, those old melodies, you know, songs I haven't recorded, like we'll say, The Valley of Sleep in the Mon and Galway Shaw and all those. And they are unbelievable melodies and, you know, you appreciate them much more as you get older. But that song, Lovely Old Mill Town, like, it's been around and it's, uh, you know, different, um, like there's a lovely old Finn town and there's about 10 other airs 
to that song. <laughs> but whatever is in it, whatever swing is in it, it's a great song for dancing as well, you know. And it all adds up. And I'm not from the parish of Milltown, but I've more gotten from it <laughs> than if I was, strangely enough, you know. Because mm. when Milltown win an account, which they have done in the recent past, that's the song that'll be on the videos and it's the song they play and it's the song they sing when they're all together in the pub celebrating and all that. So look at the old songs keep things together for people, don't they, Margaret? Exactly, PJ. Now, I was just wondering what it was like to be a boy growing up on the road, travelling with these bands, meeting all these people. You must have some fantastic memories. Well, it was just unbelievable because... Like I said, if I wasn't doing, if I put for the songs, I'd be at home going to the creamery and milking the cows and all that, you know. And it was just, it was a total, total bonus to me. And when you're young and single, you know, you don't give a damn what time you come home. One time, I'll tell you, I went up to, um, I went up to Bellin Amore in Leedstrom with the Kilfenora Cayley Band. And I was playing under 21 for Clare. <laughs> and I didn't want to tell the band because uh, I was in long with them and I didn't, in case they'd sack me or whatever it was. I didn't want to tell them about, but I was playing for the under-21s against Waterford in Dungarvan the following day. So I went up anyway to, and I drove up and we came home at a quarter to seven and I went to bed for an hour or two and the car came outside for me at about 10 o'clock or a quarter to 10. But I had to get up for mass as well. So I was, I was at mass at, I think, nine o'clock or whatever it was. But I went down to Dungarvan and I didn't tell the football lads either that I was out the night before, you know. But um, I I can't remember much about the match, but I, I, I remember getting a score or two, all right. But I think Waterford weren't the best under-21 team at the time, you know. But, um, yeah, I had loads of, of great memories like that. And as well as that, most of the band were well advanced when I went with them. Now, Michael Sexton was a young man, all right. But most of them, and Tommy Peoples came into the band, and he was only my own goal, like. And But most of them were older, and I had the best of stories and yarns about civil wars and about their brothers were, you know, fought in the ambushes. And Jimmy Wardno, for instance, his brother, well, you know, fought in the ambushes, and uh, Jimmy Layden was a drummer. He had loads of stories as well about all, you know, old events going way back, like long, long before my time. And I still have them, and I even I've even written about them. But like you said, it was a fantastic um, thing for me, you know, because when you're young, I didn't care what time we left. I, I was ready to go because. I could stop the land, you know, any time I wanted mm. and go away at four o'clock if we had to and come home at four o'clock. And, you know, sometimes, which was a bit much, I suppose, the Cayleys were on from 10 until two, sometimes like some of them. Most of them were one would be the, the you know, would be the earliest they'd finish. But I remember doing a Cayley one time in Offaly. It was in Boreen, Offaly, at a match the following day for the local club. And it was on until two o'clock and it was a fierce, cold night and um, it was in the month of April we were just playing a league match <laughs> and most of the people had left the hall before the dance was over you know mm. and it was kind of pointless playing on and on but you had to do your job you know so I suppose we didn't leave till about quarter to three or whatever it was we didn't get home till about half five I suppose and get up and play the match again you know but uh, overall I have lovely memories of it 
and it was a lovely way to spend my youthful days, you know, and um, playing with all the older music and all the great musicians as well. And that taught me a lot about band work and all that. PJ, is there any particular characters you remember who weren't in the band that you met when you were travelling that came up to you afterwards and maybe told you a funny story or told you what that song meant to them or how you impacted their life or changed their life with some of your words? Well, there would be, and especially especially Pat Murphy's Meadow. That came out in 1990, which is 30 years ago now. I did not know a lot of people, you know, who had a... I, first of all, I discovered that there was a lot of Pat Murphy's around the country. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of Murphy's and there was a lot of Patrick Murphy's. And their children and grandchildren and nephews and nieces and neighbours came up to me and said, many's the day I held Pat Murphy with his meadow or whatever it was. And I had another song then called Put More Turf on the Fire, Mary Ann. And she look at loads of people who remember the, the turf and cutting the turf and all that, you know. So, like, it, it, it resonated everywhere for me. And between football and between talking about cattle, and talking about songs and the words of songs. And then people would come up to me and give me the words of an old song that their mother used to sing and all that like. And as you said, it was a huge connection with the people that I found. And, I, you know, it wasn't just going, taking your money, and which the money wasn't great anyway at that time, but it, was, uh, it, was, it, it wasn't just going and taking your money. There was an awful lot more to it. You know, it was a cultural thing and it was meeting the neighbours, meeting people, like-minded people like myself who were working on the land and cutting the turf and saving the hay and all that. And like you said, I met an awful lot of characters and I met people who became famous, you know, well-known musicians afterwards and all that. Yeah, you'd be right there, Margaret. Talk to me about some of the people you've worked with in the recent years. Tell me about some of the artists you have duetted with. Well, I have sung, we'll say, with Isla Grant, the great Scottish singer. I've done a duet with her. I've done a song with Foster and Alan and Daniel O'Donnell, three of us together. We did a song there about six or seven years ago. Uh, it was to honour Dunica O'Dooling, the great Dunica O'Dooling, who was a great man for Irish music and had a, a slot on RTE for many, many years and was well-known all over the world, actually, when the internet came in and all that. So I did a song with them, and, of course, I wrote songs for Daniel. I also did a song with Nathan Carter called The Boy from Blennerville, which was about Donald Walsh, a young lad who died in his teens. He was only 18, I think. He died of cancer. Mm. And, uh, you know, his mother was going round to all the different universities lecturing about his life and, you know, well, what she was at actually was when he was, before he passed on, he said it was a pity that he was fighting for his life and he had no chance. And there were younger people fully fit going out taking their own lives and he tried to do something about it. And his mother continued his legacy when he passed on. So I tried to help her out with the song. And I rang another band that joined me, was Cherish the Ladies. They're the biggest girl band in America, actually. Mm. But Joni's mother is from Milton Melby, and her mm. father is from Galway. He had a big band in New York, and her mother was from Milton, as I said. And um, Joni has a house in Milton Melby, and we became friendly. She brings me on her cruises, but she has played 
on several of my recordings as well. She plays the, the whistles and the flute. But she joined um, Nathan Carter and myself on the song, as did the ladies, and we made a few pounds for the cause, you know. So I've done things with different people, and um, there's a, there are a few more in the pipeline. So, look, it's it's all interesting, you know. Peter, you have a family and wife and kids. Where did I you... have three girls and a boy and a wife from Castle Island. Mary Carney is her name. She used to be a Vanguarda in Ennis. Oh, and good. then when the children came along, she retired and reared them all, which was great. And she was a great, she was great for, you know, doing the jobs around when I was gone, keeping an eye on the cattle until Seamus grew up, my son. But uh, she was great as well for music. She'd always, you know, tape a song. And um, like, for instance, now, Drawn Little Men in the Ashes, how that came about was, Mick Slavin was on Claire FM. He was asked by Mike Garner, how are the geeks going? He said, most of them are great, but there's an odd one, and you'd be better off sitting at home, throwing little men in the ashes. So I had never heard the expression, but Mary said to me, listen to that, you should write a song about it. And that's where the men in the ashes came about. It's interesting, yeah. all musicians I've talked to say that you have to have a patient wife and a very understanding family because it can be a difficult career because you're on the road maybe a lot and you're back at all hours of the morning. So did you find it hard sometimes being away from your family and travelling and did your wife and family find it difficult? Well, you know, in fairness, no, they didn't. And I'll tell you why, because I'd go on a cruise ship only for a week and that was, you know, I mean, anyone would be missing for a week would say that was, I mean, of course, I missed the children when I was gone, of course, and everything. But the other thing was that... um. I was at home every day. You see, that was the difference. When I came, if I came home late now, I went to bed at four and got up at half ten or whatever it was, I could go to school for the children and I could be around. And some weeks I was off Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. So I, I didn't have a day job as well. I know lads that had, and they found it difficult. And, you know, the show bands especially, because they might go away for, you know, two or three nights and be in Donegal and be in... Anthem, and then maybe go down to Wexford and be. I wasn't like that. I was at home, except I was gone for a week. I was always at home every day. Mm. So I didn't find that difficult. And I was never missing for confirmations or communions, which I found most people who were regretted it. But I had no regrets in that respect. I'm glad to say, Margaret. That's the question I was going to ask you. Was there any point, Jordan, your career where you got tired or you thought to yourself, I have to stop this, I have certain no, regrets about this? Not at all, I loved it. No, no. Well, you see, some some weeks, take the winter months now, for instance, I might be off from, I might just do Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I'd be off the whole week, you know, and I'd be looking forward to maybe going off to a, a good venue. Now, there was always, and anybody will tell you this, there's always, an odd venue, as you say, for instance, if you were playing every week, there would be always the odd one that you may not like going to. Mm. But they were few and far between because I loved what I was doing and I loved meeting the people. But uh, overall, it was just great. And I never did say that I'm, I'd love to take a break or stop. Now, in latter years, I have stopped from the, from Christmas until the 1st of February. I haven't done anything in January. Mm. But... I haven't done anything now since March, Margaret, and God knows when we'll be back again, you know. Now, I hope when it does come back that it won't put uh, with younger people who are making, my children were rare, you know, 
and I'd be okay. But and even though I would love to go back and do the concerts, because I used to do, in the last number of years there, I used to do concerts with Billy Morrissey, and he'd have Margot and all the other good acts, you know, and I'd be doing maybe four other acts with myself, and we'd have a huge crowd every now and again, and I loved all that. And I'd love if that did come back, plus doing an odd night and meeting everybody again. But it is tough on the younger people who are in their family, you know. Mm-hmm. I hope it comes back big time for them. Look, it will, but it'll take a while. PJ, have any of your children taken on music as well, either a hobby or just a career part-time? A hobby, more or less, because they've all different jobs and there isn't a career in it for girls especially, but they all sing and play a bit and um, my son plays and sings. In fact, to Myra now, she's a school teacher. She has um, a song or two on one of my albums and she does harmony with me and... Um, Seamus, my son, has a song. He sings as well and plays a bit. And he do an old gig during the summer, maybe, in the, in the pubs around, you know. But um, there isn't a lot of work anymore. For, but he does it on his own, like. But um, he's another job, as I said, with the council, and he's not interested in doing it full-time. But they all do play a concertina. Another one of them, Jane, she's in the, in the Virgin Islands at the minute. She's coming back and getting married in August. And there's another girl, Maeve, she plays the guitar as well. But any of them, as I said, don't do it for a living anymore. Yeah. No, it's hard. It's a difficult career to obtain and sustain. I always say it's the credit to those who, who don't give up on music and give up on their passion and give up on the industry because I don't doubt there's times, especially now, the young ones feel, Jesus, this isn't worth it because, you know, it's so hard to survive. Well... That That's true, like, there isn't a kind of... You see, when I started, it was much easier. There wasn't many on the scene, and there was a whole load of venues. Now, a lot of them have closed down. And, you know, say, for instance, if you go into town playing in a pub, I remember a fella telling me he was playing during the World Cup a few years ago, and the television was on in the, in the, the bar. <laughs> it was on... It was turned down a bit all right, he said, but um, they were all watching the match. And he was, he said if he happened to know the, the names of the teams, he could have announced the match himself. Like, <laughs> you know, the whole thing has changed. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, doing a few, we, we always did dancing, and dancing was great. But if we ever did the odd pub in, the, in a town, which we did in olden, going back 40 or 30 years, um, you know, people would be... The volume would be unbelievable, like, you know. And um, you'd be singing a, a song and maybe... I remember singing Pat Murphy's Meadow one time in a bar in a certain establishment. And there were two lads, three or four lads, selling a pony to each other. <laughs> and, there were, and I remember playing at um, a festival in Kerry and uh, I was singing Pat Murphy's... Uh, coincidentally singing Pat Murphy's Meadow as well. And a helicopter landed beside me <laughs> in the middle of the of the whole thing. And I remember another time, I was watching Mary Black. She was doing a concert as well, and she was excellent woman, of course. And I I was watching her. I was I was doing something myself afterwards. But a donkey derby started about a hundred yards from her, and everybody cleared away to the to the donkey derby. You know, mm. but that was. Uh, that it was it was harder. Now they have, of course, the blacks are fantastic people, and that was a rare occurrence. 
But that's the usual occurrence nowadays in bars because there's so much noise and there's no dancing, you see. But we played for dancing and the onus was on the dancers and on the people, you know, rather than on the band. And then I do an art concert and you get dead silence as well. So there's great satisfaction in it and I've always gotten great satisfaction. But that's, but if you were playing in a, in a lounge now, some of them, you know, they don't listen and it can be difficult for younger people to pick up, so it can it can be a discouraging job for some of them, do you know. Mm. But look, at music makes the world go round, and it'll always be there while people are there, do you know. And long may it continue. And for people like you who are interested, it can be a link to the past. Like for instance, a fellow came into my yard about four five years ago, and he hadn't seen me since my school days. Wow. And he said he wanted a few CDs of mine. He was living in England. And he said to me, do you know, when you come on the radio, he said, I always tell the lads that I went to school with your man, you know, mm-hmm. the singing. So um, he said to me, you know, it's your, how are things like and how are you doing and all that. And he said, behind all the, the, the lights and the lounges and all that. So I said, do you know, I said, do you know what I am? I said, I'm grateful. And when he was gone, I started a song called I'm Grateful. And the song has been recorded by Daniel O'Donnell, Big Tom, and Paddy O'Brien, and other people as well. So, like, there's always a link, and there's always, you know, something good can always come from talking to people. And, you know, I mean, have several other instances, like Life in the Old Dog came from a similar type of encounter I mm. had with leads outside a hotel door, you know, and and so on. I agree, PJ. We can we can keep the past alive if we if we talk and if we keep the connections going. PJ, if I was to ask you to pick two songs from your entire career that mean the most to you, what would they be? Well, you know, I'll tell you. I can pick two, or I could pick twenty, but it's to me it's impossible. But it's it's not impossible. I mean, but I I could I say the first song I would pick that gave me, um, what opened the whole thing for me would be Pat Murphy's Meadow. That song opened a huge door for me and it would be one of my, you know, favourites as well. Now, to pick another one would be very, very, very difficult. But um, maybe I'll pick a song where I'd say Drawn Little Men in the Ashes would be a huge song for me as well. Maybe because when, as my singing career called it that, for the want of a better word, was moving along nicely. Another song always came up. But when Men in the Ashes did come up, it gave me another lift again, along mm. with Life in the Old Dog. But I might go for Men in the Ashes. Perfect, PJ. I, mean, I could pick Soldier On, or I could pick Put More Turf on the Fire, or Eileen Alana, or Joseph McHugh. But I'll just go with that one, or Horses and Plough. But we'll go with Drawn Little Men in the Ashes. And Pat Murphy's Meadow. Pat Murphy's Meadow. But like I said, Margaret, I could pick 20, you know, but we, we'll go with that if, if that's okay that's with yourself. That's perfect, PJ. My last question for you, what would you like your legacy to be as a singer-songwriter in Ireland? What would you hope people would say about you when the time comes that you have to leave this earth like we all do, unfortunately? Do you know something? I'd hope they'd remember me as what I was, just an ordinary singer, an ordinary farmer who sang a few songs and that people liked. I just remember that way. 
PJ, you're yeah. a great singer, songwriter, and you really have left a mark in Irish society, in the music scene, and through your music and words, you have changed and possibly um, helped many people through their life in Ireland and further afield. And I think that's a great gift to have given to many people. Well, look, you know, I, I had a song, that, that song I, I wrote about Donald Walsh and about suicide. Um, I got many, many calls from people. And I remember one particular night I was coming from Carlow and I got a phone call from a woman. And I spoke, I spoke to her until I came to Ennis, which was over two hours until my phone went down. Okay. But she did, um, it did save her. And there were many other instances that, that I wouldn't go into now, mm, you know. I know. Yeah, I wouldn't, but um, I would hope that I'd be remembered for helping people as well, you know, and that my songs would have done good for people, you know. We'll leave it at that. And um, <laughs> thank you Margaret. for coming on my podcast, Banter with the Irish PJ. Well, look, Margaret, I hope that I'll get, you know, people will enjoy I just told it as it was. The autumn days are here again And the night winds chilly blow The woodlands turn to golden hue And the harvest moon's aglow To hear again of days long past to come no more I know When I'm out at Murphy's Meadow In the sunny long ago I see again the ocean And the distance sails afar As the maiden in the meadow strikes up dark Lugnagar There was music soft and tender in the winds that whispered When I'm old Pat Morphy's meadow in the sunny long ago, where are the happy boys and girls that danced the gay quadrille? Or the singer who warbles sweetly The burning granite mill To hear again at sunset Where sweet afternoon waters flow When I'm old Pat Morphy's meadow in the sunny long ago.
feet a boat And he's thinking of heading for London He's lost his job, he's stuck for a bob But there's no use in grumbling He called today, asking what would you say I was thinking of emigrating And I know that you have been there too Could you help my situation? Well I said it's true that you're 52 And you've never passed in a stymen Where would you be going the start of your life Without a bell and your bicycle? You'd miss the Cayleys in the hall The dog and the piebald asses You'd be dapper off sitting at home by the fire Drawn little men in the ashes Living in the smoke, it is no joke For the times they are a-changing From Pakistan to far Japan Sure they come from every nation There's Jews and Muslims, Quakers too Shiites and neo-fascists You'd be better off sitting at home by the fire Drawn little men in the ashes You'd miss the Cayleys in the hall The dog and the piebald asses You'd be better off sitting at home by the fire Drawn little men in the ashes like you who thought they'd make a million they're back with their tails between their legs sure they hardly have a shin you can turn back the clock old chap or in the air build castles you'd be better off sitting at home by the fire drawn little men in the ashes you'd miss the Cayleys in the hall the dog and the piebald asses You'd be better off sitting at home by the fire Drawn little men in the ashes And you'd miss the Cayleys in the hall The dog and the piebald asses You'd be better off sitting at home by the fire Drawn little men in the ashes You'd be better off sitting at home by the fire Drawn little men in the ashes Banter with the Irish, your weekly podcast for the banter, music and crack with guests from all over Ireland and of course, not forgetting myself, your presenter, Margaret McHugh. Check it out on Anchor FM slash banter with the Irish.